You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet. Today is March 28th, 2021. It's a Sunday. And this is episode 24 of season 3, episode 89 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today we're going to talk a little bit about rearranging your furniture. And also, in no particular order, we'll just look at some of the headlines at theblaze.com for this morning. But first, I want to talk about the work that we did yesterday afternoon. We had guests in from California. They were on their way home from Pennsylvania picking up a 12-passenger diesel van, a Chevy van that they had picked up with a good deal. They found it on the internet and they flew out from California where they live with their whole family. Their five children, Brian and Meg Dickey, went and picked up this van and then they did a cross-country drive all together. And they stopped off yesterday afternoon We had a meal together. We said, hey, we caught up. We knew them from Montana. Brian used to work from, uh, well, various points. He he was based out of Montana, but worked all over with the railroad. And we actually met his sweet wife, Meg, at a Buddy Davis event in Glendive, Montana. That was the event that Buddy Davis had a heart attack at. We actually were presently watched him have a heart attack. He got up on stage. He just clearly wasn't feeling very well. He was all sweating and uh, just not looking too hot, actually. He looked like he was kind of pale and clammy and uh, ended up being kind of ushered from the space. And they had somebody else that was going to speak. And that person ended up doing more speaking than they were expecting to kind of fill in and and do an impromptu uh, event with everybody present. But My wife and Meg, they've kept in touch over the years and been able to encourage one another quite a bit with homeschooling and whatnot. And so it was neat to see their family, see them catch up, see how they're doing, see how California is working out. And that was good. And and so that we had, had fun having them over. And then once they were gone, once they had continued on their way, we were wondering, oh, what do we do with the rest of our Saturday afternoon. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon by that point. And I had some other things that I was thinking about doing, but then it's like, well, what do I need to do actually? Should I take this opportunity to rest and recoup before what could be a very busy week this next week, covering vacation for one of my coworkers and also some time out, time off for another coworker as his wife is having a baby or has just had a baby. And so we're sitting there and we had kind of mulled over this idea of moving our two youngest, Enoch and John, down to the basement to stay with or I guess room with their four older siblings. We've got at least four of our older boys stationed in the basement. We'll see how it goes with the two younger ones as well. If we have all six in the basement, we can fit all their beds. That's not the issue. The question is, will that work out logistically? Will that present other problems? We're going to try it out. We're going to see how it goes, see if everybody is able to get good sleep and 
uh, if that works out, that actually frees up one of the bedrooms on the second floor. And so we're going to try to use that bedroom on the second floor that was John and Enoch's room. We're going to try to use that one as my office slash our computer room. And what's nice about that is that it gets my desk and computer out of Lauren's in my room, and that eliminates one of the, I guess, points of frustration from the past four months since we moved my computer into that room to free up space in our TV room. It eliminates my having to use Lauren's computer in the morning when I very first wake up and I'm drinking my coffee and I'm catching up on the news and I might want to do some podcasting, for instance. I wake up usually without an alarm clock at about 5 in the morning and my wife doesn't wake up at 5 in the morning. So that doesn't quite work for me to just say, all right, honey, I'm awake. You might have slept for another couple hours, but... I'm going to just start podcasting here and, you know, tough luck. Uh, It doesn't quite work out so good. So what I've been doing is I've been going down to the main floor in our sitting room where her computer was set up, and I've been using that computer when I'm catching up on the news and replying to emails and things like that. I'd like to be able to use my own computer where I've got my microphone set up, I've got the software, I've got all my files, I've got my screens, I've got three monitors, she's got the one. And I'd like to be able to use that early in the morning before everybody else is awake when the house is quiet and not bother anybody and not wake anybody up if I can. So that's actually what I'm doing right now is I am recording this podcast from our newly rearranged computer room And we'll see how it goes. I hope it goes well because, again, like I say, it solves a number of problems. It allows me the time in the mornings to podcast if I want to, to do some writing if I want to. It also allows Lauren to get a little bit more rest like she wants to, like she needs to. And so it could be a win-win, I think, also for our boys. Our younger boys really wanted to just have sleepovers down in the basement increasingly here lately. They were like, hey, you know, can we just sleep down in the basement? And we said, okay, sure, you know, one time. And it didn't go so bad. And we thought, well, maybe we'll just give it a try, right? What do you guys think about just moving down there? You four older boys, are you okay with that? Is that all right with you? Yeah, that's fine. We're not going to move their dresser down there or their closet full of clothes down there. We're not going to move their toys down there because that would be too much. We'll keep all of that up here in the closet for my computer room slash office. But if we move them down there, I think that is worth a try anyways. And I like doing that. I, you know, some people, they hate rearranging furniture. Once they've got things in a particular place, they want to just leave them there forever. I am not that way. I like to rearrange furniture on a regular basis, try out different uh, arrangements of the things that you use because inevitably you find something that works a little bit better. It usually has a downside too, and that's as well may be, but it's a trade-off and you figure out what your priorities are. And sometimes your priorities change over time and sometimes your um, options change over time. You know, as our younger kids get older, we're not quite as worried about them being down in the basement away from us 
as we were, let's say, when we first moved into this house almost two years ago. I guess it's been a year and a half, really. But if you round up, it's been you know two years. Our youngest is almost three. And so that's a lot more uh, time for him to develop and to be able to sleep on his own without waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, that's a lot more time for him to kind of find his equilibrium in his sleep patterns. Uh, you know, that's all that we really were worried about before. So that's solved. I like rearranging furniture. I like, I like doing that. I think it's a good thing. It refreshes your uh, mind a little bit. All of a sudden you're like, hey, where did I put that thing? We just rearranged. Oh, it's right here. You know, and sometimes when you rearrange things, you remember, hey, I kind of put this over here off to the side and I don't ever think about it and I don't ever use it when it's here. But now that I'm looking at it again, maybe I could put it in this place instead and then it's more out front and center and maybe I make better use of it. So that's what we did. That's what we did yesterday afternoon and into the evening. And thank you to Lauren for being uh, willing to go through toys and get those organized again. Thank you to the boys for helping to uh, shuttle things up and down the stairs and go get my tools and help me with putting the desk back together again after I had to take it apart to get it through the door. Uh, that was all very helpful, and I do appreciate it. So we'll see. I think it could mean uh, if I'm in here and I'm able to podcast in the morning before I go to work or before everybody's awake, I think it could mean that I get a lot more podcasting done and podcasting on a more regular basis. And that's what, in large part, I was feeling like I needed to do. I needed to figure out a way to make that possible, to make that uh, feasible. And so we'll see. I think you will see more podcast episodes from me. You will hear from me more often this way. And that is part of how you have a successful podcast is you are regularly producing content. And I can regularly produce content as long as I've got the space to do so. Sometimes when people say, well, I just don't have time for that thing that I should do or that I want to do, or I just don't have the ability, I don't have a setup for that. Sometimes I hear that and I think, well, why don't you just make the time? Why don't you just make the space? Just do some rearranging. And yeah, that takes a little bit of work. But if this is a priority, you need to act accordingly. You know, do something. Try something out. You know, maybe the next thing you try when you rearrange your schedule and your furniture doesn't work out either. But maybe it works out a little bit better. And from that vantage point, you see the next way that you could rearrange. And that gives you... Uh, the next thing and the next thing. You just keep tweaking your process and keep getting it better and better. And before you know it, it's much more feasible. It's much easier. Every step of the way with developing this podcast, I have found that it gets easier and easier to do the things that at first seemed difficult. And then the things that at first seemed impossible or I just had no clue how I would even begin or where to start, those things increasingly are the difficult things instead of being impossible or seeming impossible from having built strength or built a routine the earlier difficult things now are easy and the earlier impossible things now just become merely difficult and if I keep on like this and keep on tweaking and adjusting and growing and working on it I trust that the things that now seem difficult will like the earlier difficulties 
will seem easier if I just persevere and keep at it and keep working on it and keep refining, keep tweaking the things that now I don't even consider because I have no idea how that would happen or how to do it. Once these things become easy instead of difficult, these things that I'm working on right now, well then that opens up space in my brain, in my imagination. That opens up new venues. And so I'm committed to continuing the process of refinement. This podcast is far less experimental than it used to be. I would say now I feel like it is a actual legit podcast that somebody could share. We've got a website, thegear.ashleymulletshow.com, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, Radio Public, lots of places. Spotify, obviously, and Anchor FM. But you can find the podcast, and when you find it, I don't feel as reluctant to say, hey, this is something you could share with your friends. If I have something worthwhile to say, I think you will feel less reluctant. I'll put it that way. You might actually share this with your friends, send it as a text or an email or tell them about it or whatever. So thank you to everybody who's been doing that. I can tell that some of that is happening. Keep on sharing it if I have something worthwhile to say. And if there's something you'd like me to talk about that I haven't yet, let me know, right? Like what is it that would be interesting you'd like to get my take on? I will cover it at some point and we'll just keep building like that. Right? That helps me to figure out what it, what would be of interest to my target audience. What is my target audience? Well, a friend of mine, Bobby McPherson, he's pointed out that if I am talking about everything, then I maybe lose most people who are not interested in everything. They're interested in some things. They're interested in certain subjects. And is that entirely an honest uh, or clear, maybe is the, the better way to put it, is that a clear advertisement for what it is that I'm doing if I say I am going to talk about everything. Well, you can't actually, as he points out rightly, you can't talk about everything. You have to talk about some things and you are talking about some things, but are you organizing the content in such a way that it is easier for somebody to understand what is it that I'm going to get here? Why should I listen to this podcast? What am I going to get out of it? Well, what you're going to get out of it is we're going to talk about the macro and the micro. We're going to talk about your relationship with God and your relationship with people around you at all levels, your relationship with your wife and your kids, your relationship with your in-laws, your outlaws, your neighbors. We're going to talk about your relationship with the community, with the polis, the city, the county, the state, your workplace, your employer, your fellow employees, your customers. We're going to talk about how we have good relationships with these people that we have to. We have to have a relationship with in some form or fashion. Do we want to have a good relationship or not? And if we want to have a good relationship, well, then how do we rearrange our furniture? How do we rearrange our attitude and our mindset? How do we create conditions in which we can be faithful to what God has called us to? We can be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We can live according to wisdom and according to knowledge. We can exercise discernment and discretion. We can be sober and vigilant for our adversary. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We can figure out how to be less anxious and to not use avoidance as our coping mechanism. 
oh, this thing over here intimidates me. It scares me. I don't feel like I'm up to that challenge. I don't feel like I can do it. This is just very scary and stressful. And so I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to look at that. I don't want to talk about it. Don't bring it up. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say about it even because it just makes me too stressed out. It makes me too nervous and I can't talk about it with people. Well, there's two ways you could look at that. One is, okay, you know, you you have priorities and you're going to focus on what is your business as you see it and you're not going to get distracted by this stuff that you really can't do anything about. But then another way to look at it is, well, maybe you can't do anything about it yet. But if you put your mind to it, if you try to wrap your mind around it, if you try to understand it rightly, there might be at some future point something you could do about it. And is that a value to you? If this condition is bad and it hurts the people around you, let's not even talk about how it affects you. Let's talk about how it affects the people around you. Are you loving your neighbor as you love yourself? Are you providing for those of your own household, as the scriptures call us to. I think providing for those of my own household includes more than just bringing home a paycheck and having a job with good benefits. I think it requires more than just having a will and a 401k plan and good retirement and paying the bills. I think it requires thinking more broadly about the conditions which go into human flourishing And if the conditions which contribute to people doing well and having a good life and being successful and being taken care of and being safe and provided for, if those conditions are something that we can affect, and they clearly are, then we need to not avoid the subject when the subject pertains directly to human flourishing towards security, yes, but more than security, more than just survival. How do we thrive? How do we thrive as people? What does that take? That's what I want to talk about in this podcast is I want to talk about what are the threats? What are the opportunities? What are our strengths? And can we augment our strengths? What are our weaknesses? And can we shore those up? Can we find ways to rally around a cause and join forces with other people whose strengths help to compensate for our weaknesses? Can we bear one another's burdens? Can we tackle these thorny problems in such a way that we create space for greater faithfulness, greater faithfulness to God, greater faithfulness to those that we have a responsibility to around us in our sphere, greater fulfillment of the two great commandments that Jesus tells us about in the Gospels, one being to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, the other, like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. I think the fatalism which so often marks our conversations when we turn to politics and to crazy social trends like children as young as five or six being able to change their gender if they all of a sudden decide they think it would be more fun to pretend to be a girl if they're a boy or pretend to be a boy if they're a girl... I think when we settle on fatalism with regards to these things and we just throw our hands up and say, well, what do you do, right? What do you do? I think that is not so good. We should not just settle for that. We should strive to understand these things better. 
Not that we're going to get it perfect, not that we're going to respond to these things perfectly, but can we respond more perfectly? Jesus says to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. And I think that we do well to find practical ways to make more perfect the things that we're doing. If I am a father, which I am to seven children, and one of my kids is having a conflict with their siblings, I can, and sometimes do, react impatiently to that. Sometimes I snap and I say something that is not as kind and is not as helpful as it is dismissive because I'm avoiding it, because I'm afraid to wade into these waters and say the wrong thing, and I'm tired, and I just don't even know, right? Like I tried three or four different things, and they obviously haven't fixed the issue because here we are again. And so I'm just going to say something unpleasant and then... The problem goes away, right? No, no, not quite. The problem doesn't go away. Maybe it just gets swept under the rug. And so what do I need to do when I realize that's happening is I need to stop. I need to take a deep breath. I need to take a look at what is it that he just said? What is actually going on? What's behind that statement? What was left unsaid? Where's his heart at? What's true? What's good? What's beautiful that I need to remind my child of, who's in conflict, that I need to remind myself of, that I need to be saying, it needs to be on my lips, needs to be in their ears. Am I paying attention or am I tuning this out because I don't feel like I'm up to it? Well, maybe I'm not up to it, right? Maybe you're not up to it, but we're not going to be up to it if our attitude is just stuck on this idea that we can't build strength. There is no way of knowing what is true. That postmodern sentiment that truth is subjective and unknowable, that it's not universal or transcendent, we can't trust truly that we can know the truth and it can set us free. That postmodern sentiment can creep into our subtler ways of thinking and relating to things before we realize it and without us knowing it because we're fish in water that don't know that we're wet. And so what I want to do is I want to be more intentional and I want to talk at length, long form, now 30 minutes or so instead of an hour or so when this podcast started. I want to talk about how do we slow down? How do we be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry for the anger of man does not bring about the righteous life that God desires? How do we react less irritably? How do we actually be not anxious for anything but in prayer and supplication present our requests to God? How do we do that? Not accidentally, I don't believe. I think that takes intentionality. I think that takes daily submitting our worries to God. And that's what the scriptures say. It's not me thinking that, except that I'm reflecting on what God's word says, what it promises. And I have found insofar as I have imperfectly applied those promises and acted accordingly and believed and shown my faith by my works, I have found those promises to be true and to be good. And God does relieve our anxieties when we cast our cares on him, for he cares for us. Enough about that for right now. I want to talk real briefly about some featured stories on TheBlaze.com. 
because I think it's interesting and it gives you just a quick snapshot of what's going on. And let's try to connect the dots on what is the state of our country? What is the state of our society and our context? How can we be a little bit more intentional about it and think rightly about these things? So from the top, Los Angeles County votes for $36 million increase in funding for police after major surge in crime. Go figure. Defund the police and having some crazy district attorney who wants to incentivize bad behavior and make excuses for it and make supposed victims out of victimizers and flip the script because, again, there's no objective truth. Go figure that it doesn't work out in practice. These egotists who think that all of human history up to this point has had it wrong and they are here to tell us how it really is. It's the opposite of what we were always thinking. They are not so wise and don't be fooled because this is foolish. And if you buy into it, what does that make you? In defunding the police, you will not find that man is inherently good and that he has the heart of an angel and he does good things when you have no accountability and when you have no law enforcement. When you have no law, lawlessness does not bring about righteous conduct. Legalism doesn't either, but legalism is a different issue than lawlessness. In legalism, people believe by following the law, they can become righteous. They can be right before God and that they can follow the law perfectly. And the reason why they can't, the reason why legalism is broken is the same reason why lawlessness is broken. Because in both cases, you have people thinking that man is inherently good. And if you just get these systems right or out of the way, that man will flourish. That is where human flourishing comes in, is if man just follows the law perfectly. Mm, not quite. Man is not able to follow the law perfectly. And that's why we needed a savior. That's why we needed grace. Lawlessness doesn't work either because... You can't just say, well, there's no rules. Just do whatever. Do whatever you feel. You do you. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. That doesn't work. Very quickly, people are destroying one another, murdering one another, raping one another, defrauding one another, lying to one another, being absolutely vicious, destroying themselves and everything around them. So Los Angeles County votes for $36 million increase in funding for police after major surge in crime. Could have told you so. Next down in the featured stories, rapper Little Nas X releases Satan Shoes with human blood in it, stars in music video giving lap dance to the devil. Gross. Gross, and may God have mercy on our souls. That's nasty. You have a, a gay pink cowboy who has been given a platform. And the problem is not just little rapper Nas X. The problem is the audience. The audience that has as their representative entertainer this guy. We're going to put this guy on a platform. We're going to buy his records. We're going to give him a, a Grammy or whatever. He's going to win big because we have no morals because we're lawless, and because we celebrate and we revel in wickedness. So he's literally going to give a lap dance to the devil. This is satanic. 
satanic. You thought that the LGBTQ thing was maybe a misunderstanding, maybe it's confusion. It's not confusion, guys. It is Satanism. And here is the proof. The proof of the pudding is in the eating and Satan's shoes. I don't want to see it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to contribute to his metrics. I don't need to hear it. That's gross. That's gross. Just knowing as much as I know, that's gross. And that's not avoidance. That is, I don't know. That, that is just good taste. We don't need that in our lives. There's nothing edifying about that. Now, Jesus says clearly at one point when there's an argument with the Pharisees about his disciples and what they're doing and are they being lawless? Jesus says that it is not what comes into a man that makes him unclean. It is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And I've always taken that as helpful, not that he was talking about media consumption and what you watch and listen to and read, but I've always presumed that that can apply to media, what we watch, what TV shows, what movies, what we listen to in the way of music and audiobooks and podcasts, what we read. I think it's true that it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean, not what goes into a man. But sometimes what comes out of you is what you put into you. And what you choose to put into you is what you then in turn will start imitating. So I don't need to watch this because I know where I stand on it. This is satanic. I have no need to be enriched by some little kernel of truth that's in there that's going to be good. No, it's satanic. Be sober and vigilant for your adversary. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be sober and vigilant doesn't mean you sit down and have a chat. You let him make a sales pitch. Hath God said? Yes, he has. End of discussion. You're a liar. You are the father of lies. You can present yourself as an angel of light, but you're not. I'm not going to talk you out of your degeneracy, and I don't have any interest in you talking me into joining you. So, that's that. Last of the featured stories on TheBlaze.com is Michael Flynn's relatives sue CNN for $75 million over QAnon allegations. So I don't know what I think about this one, actually. I'm, let's, let's, just, let's just think about that for a second. Now, there's no question in my mind that CNN is a slanderous, libelous organization that thrives on destroying people who get in the way of the leftist progressive cause. No question. There's no question in my mind that they should be taken to court. They should be taken to task. They should have to pay damages to the people that they damage. You know, there was that uh, kid who, I think it was Nick Sandman, I think that was his name, the kid who went to Washington, D.C. with his schoolmates and a Native American uh, older gentleman banging a drum, got in his face, was trying to agitate, was trying to provoke a reaction. Nick Sandman was wearing a Make America Great Again hat. They were there to demonstrate for the pro-life cause and against abortion. They're Catholic kids from a Catholic school. And Nick has this guy in his face. 
obviously trying to get under his skin, and he just grins. He grins like, I see what you're trying to do. I'm not falling for it. But CNN took that little clip, and they took it out of context, and they portrayed it as a proof that the Make America Great Again crowd was racist and smug and condescending and intolerable. And all of a sudden, the internet and the leftists in media and in Hollywood wanted to punch this kid in the face because he's a racist, clearly. You watch the broader tape, you get the fuller story, go figure, imagine that. Imagine that from a supposedly informative, objective news source, you'd actually try and get the whole story before you present things in a really dishonest, manipulative way. Speaking of Satan, CNN, they tried to destroy this kid because destroying him was going to be a useful way to destroy and sideline and emasculate the other side of the political discourse the other side of the aisle in this country. And so then what happens? Nick Sandman gets an attorney on good advice, I'm sure, and he sues CNN for defamation. You're trying to destroy me. It's wrong. God bless Nick Sandman. More power to him. I think that's what we need to do. We need to take these people to task. There needs to be accountability. Just like with Los Angeles County voting for a $36 million increase in funding for police, you don't let this go unchecked and expect that you're going to get less of it, especially when the reason people are doing these things, the reason why people break into houses and rob a family at gunpoint is not because somebody stood up to them one time and told them, you knock it off. It's not because they were spanked as a child. It's not because they were told no and their precious self-esteem was damaged irrevocably. It's because that didn't happen. And now somebody is going to have to put them in their place and let them know they're out of line and there are consequences. And if there are never any negative consequences, then they're going to do whatever seems profitable to them. If you allow this to be profitable, you reward it and then you get more of it. But if you make it costly, if you make the cost-benefit analysis not work out so favorably, so rosily, for those who are tempted to do this kind of thing, then you get less of it. That's the way it works. Carrot, stick. Positive reinforcement and negative consequences. So does Michael Flynn's family have a case? for this lawsuit? We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. But in any event, that's what I know. That's what the headlines are this morning. That's all I got. I just said anyways again, because my post-it note didn't make it here with the computer. Lauren, I will figure it out. I will learn to say anyways less. Maybe with recording more often, I'll say it less. That's how I'm hoping it works out anyways. Anyways, ah, ooh, I go again. I go again into saying anyways, but thanks for listening. That's all we have for today. Till next time, God bless. 
You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger, weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com. Hello, this is Garrett Ashley Mullet, host of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM, and also chief editor and writer at On the Rocks blog since 2015. I have just published my first book. It is available on paperback and Kindle from Amazon.com right now. Are you thinking about homeschooling? Is someone you know considering it? No shortage of books will help you figure out how to do it. This is a book about why you should. Written from the perspective of a homeschooling father of seven who was himself homeschooled growing up, this is an encouragement to fathers and mothers to think rightly about their children's education. What our children believe about God, themselves, one another, and the universe, these are all features of their education, and the worldview our children develop is downstream of the sort of education they receive. And this is why we homeschool. Maybe you are a parent of homeschooling children and you could use some encouragement. Perhaps your local school shut down and now remote learning or homeschooling has been forced on you. Now you could use some help finding motivation to make the best of it. Or maybe you have a friend or family member considering homeschooling their children. Rather than starting you off with another home education how-to, let us start with why we homeschool. And as we figure out the reasons we should do this thing, the way to do it will be made far easier. Just go right on over to Amazon.com and type in, and this is why we homeschool in the search results. It'll come right up. Order your copy today.